Hey, well, I'm excited to give the final talk today in our Community Over Content series. We've been just reflecting on our foundation verse, I guess you'd say, 1 Thessalonians 2.8, which says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you'd become so dear to us. Our lives our lives as well. And in this series, we're challenging ourselves really with what it means to us for God to value community over content. We've been looking uh, at how community is, is expressed by walking with each other. We looked at how it's secured when we meet with each other, uh, how it finds common ground with each other. And last week we looked at the Holy Spirit empowers us as a, a distinct community. And I hope those of you online here that are watching this have been encouraged and, and you're realizing, man, even digitally, I am walking with each other. There's ways we have the ability to do community even online. So I'm excited for this talk. Let's jump right into really a, a, the text that's the heart of this. Ephesians 5, 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they Feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of this body. For the, this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and his church. I mean, what an instruction on marriage, right? I mean, uh, uh, we didn't read the, con the whole context of Ephesians 5, but this is a beautiful place to learn about how, how to be a better husband, how to be a better wife, how to work together in oneness and all the things we promote and re-engage, right? But the reality is, this is an instruction for the church. And Paul says, this is a mystery, but God is leading me to write this because the church is the bride of Christ. And we wanted to paint, he wanted to paint this picture clearly that everybody would comprehend because they were either married or knew someone who was married or were raised by someone who was, you know, they knew what marriage looked like. And so he's like, let me paint this picture because this is a picture of Jesus and his bride, his church. And the goal here is that the church would be radiant. It'd be brilliant. It would be evident. What would be so radiant about the church? It would be purely united, holy, blameless. Just look at all the things that are written here about it. They're caring for one another as one cares for their own body. They were, they were feeding. They were, yeah, I mean, there's just so many things there. It's very important for us to kind of dwell on what God's intent is for the body of Christ. Joni Erickson taught us says this, 
Believers are never told to become one. We're all, we already are one and are expected to act like it. Man, I hope that we can act like we're one because we are. We are. Our big idea today is the church is God's answer for community in the world. Now, that's a big statement. The church is God's answer, the answer for community in the world. Jesus made it clear to his disciples when he, he challenged them in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus is in the business of building his church. Well, why? Why is this church so important? Because it's not a building. It's a body of believers that God is bringing together for a specific purpose to love one another and and when that love is genuine it is our greatest witness to the world around us it should be what we're known for that we love one another which which jumps right into our uh, our thoughts today thought one man the church is a community that loves each other it's a community that loves each other and as, as Paul wrote there in Ephesians 5.29, we should feed and care for each other. We're taking care of this body. Like it shouldn't be a burden. It's a blessing, right? John 13.34 records Jesus' words when he says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I've loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Is your love evident? Is your love for one another that evident? Do you think our love as a church is that evident? A body of people who genuinely love one another is so evident and loud in the culture right now that is focused on what, what separates them or, or what's a, how they can oppose one another. Man, all of a sudden when they see a united group of people that are laying down things so that they can be one, that's... That's going to cut through the noise, I think, of our culture and go, this is beautiful. This is something genuine. This is something I should stop and figure out, right? I, th I think we have a very common heart for the community at Open Life. It's one of the things that when we were new as a church, uh, we would ask people, what, what, is, what are we all about? Like, what's our mission? And people might not have memorized, well, we're people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus while doing life with one another. They might not have said that original phrase right off their tongue. But one of the things they always said is, man, we're all about the community, you know? And, and so that's true. That's a value, but it's not our mission. And we were trying to, to, to help guide people to understand that's just a value, but we lived that value out initially. And I think we, I think we still live it out in the community, we're known as the church that's all about the community. And we're present with the community, as we say. And, and when you start to think about that, that's good. Like that's a blessing. But we need to be all about one another. We're being challenged here in this unique passage. It's not speaking about our loving the community, like in general, or our loving our neighbor or our neighborhood in general. This is talking about us loving our faith community. This is clarifying that our best witness to the community is actually our love within our faith community. It's how we're loving each other. 
So how is our witness, right? I mean, that's that makes me pause and go, whoa, okay. So if somebody's feeling alone or, or unloved or abandoned, like that's on all of us. That's on all of our, us as a, a community, as a body. The more the community sees our love for one another, the more the culture of, of something distinct stops them in their tracks and makes them kind of, you know, I, I've, I've said the phrase before, it's a gospel demonstration that demands an exclamation. They're like, well, why is this the, why, why do you guys care so much for one another? Well, man, not only do I love because God first loved me, I just, these people have become dear to me because I, I know them. I've invested my time. I've sacrificed my time to get to know one another and care for one another. And I lay down my life for their life at times and my priorities for their priorities. And I'm praying that God moves us even farther in that today. And maybe it's, it's easier when we're gathered in person on Saturdays right now. But there's ways we can love each other digitally. If we really want to lean into our loving one another... There are ways we can do it. We could pick up this old-fashioned device called a phone and call people. We can text. We can, uh, you know, show up and, and, and wave from a distance. We can do whatever. There's so many ways. And uh, we need to be united because this picture of a body is really intriguing to me. I just look at, you know, we need to be united as fingers and tendons and, and arms and and, and, and my hand knows my foot. Now, maybe I can't bend down and touch my feet, but I can lift my foot up and touch it with my hand, right? It's the reality is we, our body knows if one of the other parts is hurting and we need to be that way with each other. We need to love so good that our bodies are like, man, how are you guys doing this? Um, man, our love for each other. I don't know if you saw any of the memes this, this last week. And I hope, I hope that you were able to uh, catch the moment when DK Metcalf uh, caught up to the defender, Buda Baker, who caught an interception on the goal line, and he sprinted at 20-some miles per hour and caught up to Buda Baker and tackled him and ended up making the fact that the, the team didn't score any points off that interception, and it was the talk of the game. And days later, in fact, the memes were hilarious, you saw. But here's where my mind's going when I'm thinking about loving others. I'm thinking we should be so aggressive in our love. Like if people see the way we love one another in, in at open life, it should look like that. Like I am not going to let this person escape the love that is due them in this season. It should be that kind of tenacity, that kind of depth, that kind of authenticity that somebody would just go, wow, wow. Now, I don't know if you've seen DK Metcalf uh, warm up for a football game. Uh, I, I remember it out of jealousy because Dana would, would like look at the screen and the, the, DK's like wearing a, a crop top or something and he's out there. If you've seen his body, I don't think there's anything but muscle on his body. I'm dead serious. Like I can admire that as well. You know what I'm saying? And Dana's just like, wow, wow, look at those muscles. And I was like, are, are you talking about me, babe? You know? <laughs> no, I'm looking at at Metcalf there on the TV, and he is rocked, right? Well, that same kind of, whoa, would our love as a church stop people in their tracks? I don't know. I don't know. It should. 
That's God's intent for the church. And I want us to chase after people, loving people with that same aggression. Now you may be sitting there saying, well, I would love that too, but honestly, in the last few months, I feel like that's not been the case. It's, it's not been easy to, uh, to love one another in a season like this. And I've had conversations with people. It's like, man, I just don't know if the, if the church is the same anymore. And, and uh, I can guarantee you, I, I just want to tell you, your, the love for you as, as open life and as a staff has not ended. We're praying for, for you. We're praying for the church. But sometimes it can feel when the community of people leading people are not engaging with one another, that we can feel like we're not being loved. Or maybe we're, we're alone or we're going through life during this season without the church. Remember, the church is not a building or organization. It's a people. And so this speaks to where we need strengthening. We need strengthening and to recognize we need to strengthen our community with one another because we shouldn't be leaving one another alone in a season like this. Two way, every way. We should be reaching out to one another in our faith community way beyond like we found some safe pandemic people. People have quarantined together and, and you hear stories of it happening, but really our faith community needs to lean into one another, whether it's digitally or in person. While we're gathering, we cannot abandon our faith and coast at this season because at this season, our faith can be the most evident it's ever been. And if it's not evident right now, then that elevates a weakness that we can strengthen, which is why we're in a series called Community Over Content. It's been real easy to push out content and think we're being the church in a season like this. But then we listen to the Holy Spirit and we sit here and go, okay, God, you want to remind us about how important community is. So that's why we're in this series. We receive that conviction, that challenge, right? And when we look to the examples of community, we've read it in almost every talk. But when you look at the first church, the early church, right? In Acts 2.42, this is what it looks like. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to sharing and meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, did Zoom growth groups, because that is what they, oh, wait, that's not in there. Okay, my bad, my bad. I'll rewind, right? Uh, uh, no, it says, they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. Enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I know I am mostly wired with what I guess you you could say my arrows out. I kind of I'm always noticing the people who are left out. I'm always noticing the the person in the community that is alone or not connected, and and my heart kind of breaks for those. Um, what keeps me awake at night is thinking of the thousands, the tens of thousands of people in our community that do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe they think faith is something 
that was for old days. Uh, maybe they've never experienced the power of God transform their life and make them new uh, and give them peace of mind and hope and life to the full. I, I get woken up at night with dreams for those. But the reality is the thing that will help them most clearly meet Jesus and know Jesus is our love, is our community, is our placing community over content. But if we're finding ourselves letting the gas off our faith <laughs> and just kind of trying to, to hold on to our own faith right now instead of encouraging others in whatever way is possible, digital community, right? Commenting on posts and, and, and making calls or texts or whatever way we can. It's not just in person that this is possible. But we need to take advantage of this greatest moment where people need to know someone cares, even in our own faith community. And if we live out loud and encourage people out loud and recognize that that's the church at work, that's people outside the church are going to recognize those guys are active in their faith. And it might not be some grand outreach we do or uh, in the community. People will just respect that we're active in our faith and notice it through our love. So we need to connect. We need to serve. We need to share. We need to live our lives right now in a higher sacrificial way to be in community than ever before because it's not normal. It's not as easy as it used to be, which is probably for our betterment. Does this describe where your faith is at right now? Like, are you all in or are you just trying to escape the world around you, right? We need to be all in with our love for one another. Put your foot on the gas and be all in. Uh, Romans 12 and 9 says, don't just pretend to love others. Really <clears throat> love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tight to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. Isn't it? It's easy to be lazy these last few months, right? In our faith. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying when God's people are in need. Be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. and Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. That's, that's God's heart for his church. He wants his church to look like that. So how is your genuine affection for each other right now? Man, let these questions challenge you. How uh, have you, have we grown lazy with our love? Do you find yourself feeling inconvenienced when there's an opportunity to serve someone with a meal after a surgery, or maybe they've had a baby or they've experienced loss? Is it like, ah, right? Uh, is there no room for someone new at your table? <laughs> Who have you reached out to because you've not seen them lately? 
those who who come, maybe this week you're watching online, but you've been one of the many who've shown up on Saturdays at Open Life gatherings in person. Who, who have you seen in person that you didn't know and introduce yourself to? That's the church, right? And in fact, it turns the corner to, it turns the corner to our second thought. And uh, the church is a hospitable community doing life together. A hospitable community. What does hospitable mean? Uh, it, hospitality defined as the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. Well, we're encouraged in scripture, as we just read, to practice hospitality. And we can see it too. First Peter 4, 9 says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. The next two weeks, we're actually going to look at the second part of verse 10 there, or at verse 10, using your gifts to serve others. It's, it's Service is the language of love, right? And we're going to look at that a bit. But right now, man, are we offering hospitality to one another without grumbling, faithfully being a steward of God's grace in its various forms? God needs us faithfully providing hospitality to those who need to be welcomed into the body of Christ. Maybe they're, they're new. They're just, they're just logging on. They went by and you shared the live service uh, on Facebook or wherever, and somebody's watching it. They say hello, toss a comment in, welcome them. Uh, it's that moment of, of being the church in that moment, encouraging them, but as well, encourage one another. So they see, oh, not only are you active just to be a, a greeter, but you're hospitable, like you're loving towards one another. It's both insider and outsider hospitality. We must be hospitable with each other, longing for ways to bless one another and, and know each other's needs. I mean, that's one of the things I love about our growth groups. Uh, I love being in a growth group because you have an opportunity to get to know people. You know their needs. You dialogue about their perspective on a passage. As our group's walking through the book of James and just even how we read the text and our observations from it are from different perspectives. And it's it's beautiful to have that conversation and get to know people I, I don't really know that well in a group. And hearing the challenges that we're facing together and literally pausing to pray for one another's needs makes our hearts grow bigger towards one another. And it's this, it increases our capacity to be hospitable, not only to them, but to those they've introduced us to by way of us praying for. I guarantee the day that, that those that are on the prayer list that are going through a hard time in their families or whatever, the day they visit, like my heart's going to be more dear towards them already. Like I'm going to delight seeing them walk through the door or hop on the service online. It's going to make my heart do something it wouldn't have done had I not been already praying for them. Does that make sense? God's preparing us to be hospitable as we pray, and it's going to be more genuine because we put ourselves in a position to care more. Um, Psalm 68.6 begins by saying, God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. God has created the church so that we could be that 
family community that somebody might not have. How much, how much more for those that, man, if they don't have a relational home, I guess you could say, they don't have a place where there's genuine trusted relationships that they can share in, then there are some potential challenges in their life. Let me share some, some challenge with you here as it pertains to the season we're in. Right now, this season of trial, pandemic, elections, um, economy, whatever, school at home or back or whatever, you know, and all these things that are coming out, those are trials, which trauma defined <laughs> is when severe emotional pain cannot find a relational home in which it can be held, according to Robert Stolero. Stolero? I don't know how to say that guy's last name, but Robert, great quote, right? The reality is trauma is what happens when we face trials alone. And, and, and so we all have experienced some form of trauma and we're responding accordingly. When we experience pain and trials around us, we need more hospitality than ever before. We need to be held by a community that we can trust and that loves us. And we need to be welcomed into that community quickly so that we can share. And that's what the church is here for. We're not here to fix people. We're here to welcome people in with their problems right in the middle of the mess. James Pennebaker did a research project about trauma survivors. And his goal was to see why some who experienced trauma were devastated and others they came through maybe actually better off. They learned something or they were sharper on the other side where they could help others. And his assumption going in or hypothesis at the beginning of his research was that trauma with a social stigma was harder to recover from. He, in fact, specifically was researching trauma caused by, by uh, sexual assault or those who lost a spouse to suicide. Some of you like have experienced that. You know how traumatic that is. Well, what he found is that his assumptions were completely unfounded. In fact, the number one factor in recovery was whether the person had a community of trusted people they could process their pain with. Let me read his findings again. The number one factor in recovery was whether the person had a community of trusted people they could process their pain with. Man, may open life be a place where people can process their pain together. Open life is, is committing afresh to be united in love, to double down on doing life together and sharing genuine hospitality with one another. To be the church God sent to the world, we will have to love genuinely. And that's what brings up our confession for today in prayer. Our confession today is, I will love genuinely. I will love genuinely. I, I hope we can lean into love and we can lean into love for one another primarily, but that our eyes would be open and hospitable to strangers and visitors around us who need our love as well. Can we pray together? God, I thank you for giving us your love. I thank you for sending your son Jesus to demonstrate what love in action looks like. And now you've left that to us. You've put in place the church as the answer to the world of community 
And we have an opportunity to be the most loving community demonstrating the gospel to the world around us. But God, that we would be hospitable to welcome in others into the community. You added to the church daily those who are coming in in scripture, right at the beginning of Acts that we're reading in our Bible reading right now as a church. I pray that God, you would help us to walk out that same hospitality today and that you would breathe encouragement on us as we surrender our lives afresh to loving one another. May you rise up this conviction in us that we would love well in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching this online. Lord bless you. We can't wait to jump in to our next series next week.